nobody else gets that reference, just me and Ian. That's that's. I can't tell you how confused I am right now. And I listened to your recording from earlier, and I'm still I'm, confused. I'm highly entertained. Though, so. <laughs> true, true. Entertained, okay. yet confused. So go to YouTube and search, when you get the time, go to YouTube and search Ice Cube Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, God you damn. will not be disappointed. <laughs> I swear, you won't. I was just thinking about that because I, me, and a, me and a friend of mine tried to go to a comic book store, and it was empty. <laughs> and that was all I could think about the whole way home. <laughs> like we looked around and confirmed our suspicions. Wait, so it was completely <laughs> empty? Like there was no one even in there? Yeah, nobody was there. <laughs> it was closed. Nobody was there. So we thought it was gonna be open, but it was it wasn't. <laughs> and they had a sign on there that were saying like due to business reasons, <laughs> you know, uh like or slow business or whatever the, that we have closed for you know the foreseeable future or whatever it was and i was like it's not personal <laughs> it's just business see i i thought As you meant like close. you were i thought you meant you were able to go into the comic book store and i'm like no, no one's there oh it. just i would have just grabbed like several magic packs and just fleed <laughs> no we just went and the doors were all locked the clothes and the lights were the lights were still on but <laughs> I just could not stop about that. One, two. So can I cast Black Lotus or not? No, you cannot cast Black Lotus. You want to know why? Why? Because what's up, listeners? You're catching yet another episode of the JCU Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and you're tuning in to the podcast where me and the JCU crew get together to just catch up. Each and every episode, one or more of us will bring a topic of discussion, which we will dive into headfirst for you, our faithful listeners. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Listen Notes, RSS feeds, and YouTube by searching for the JCU Podcast. We are still working to be able to offer other ways in which you can support the podcast, but for now, your listening and viewership are so appreciated. And so don't please... Oh, and, and don't forget, you can also find us on Twitter at Podcast one on Twitter. Oh, yeah, that's right. You can find us on Twitter. JCU Podcast, the number one mm -hmm. on Twitter. So please do all the chosen platform things like follow, share, subscribe, ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. And that's all of the housekeeping for right now. Uh, so I guess now it's time for my favorite part of every episode, the JCU Roll Call. For today's episode, we have, as always, the producer, aka Master Bates himself. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ian. Is that, are we really going to make that my nickname? Because that was not, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> and also, we have the man who only sees one valuable component to the combination of singer slash songwriter. It's Nathan. <laughs> no. uh, that, that does imply, a songwriter implies that they write songs, and so that's also not valuable, to be fair. <laughs> also joining us is the reason for all the thirsty single moms loving coming to parent-teacher conference nights. It's Jim! <laughs> one day, one day we shall have a podcast episode where Ian does not reference Magic the Gathering. Today is not that day! <laughs> and last but not least, he may not have an infrared beam or a scope for distance, but he's still the best company for when approaching business. It's Caleb! <laughs> <laughs> yes that was a 50 cent reference <laughs> and i 
am, as always, the host that was promised, the revolution that isn't televised, but still brought to you by the power of the internet, coming at you from my seat of power in the heart of Castle Grayskull. I host the podcast! It's me, I'm Sean. Ah, I thought I was wondering if you were actually going to say your name. It's just like, I am the host of the podcast, and everyone's like, who? <laughs> yeah, I said my name at the top, and I say it again, right here. Ah, I see. I'm the host of the podcast. I can say my name multiple times. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to bring us into today's topic. Today's topic is actually a pretty special topic. It's a very important topic. It's a very serious, very focused topic that we're coming in at you with today. So uh, this episode, we will be diving headfirst into a topic truly worthy of the gavel of Grayskull. That's right. Tonight is our very first debate episode. If you, my dear JCU crewers, will allow, I will explain the format. Prior to this episode, a topic has been chosen. The members of the crew have chosen sides and will lay out their case before me, the judge in the north. Ish. And <laughs> at the end of the episode, at the end of the arguments, I will use my semi-phenomenal, nearly cosmic wisdom to judge who shall be the debate champion and take home the coveted debate prize, the dream of a world where Johnny Depp stopped at three pirate movies. <laughs> Four was not bad. Four was not I bad. I saw new ones coming out. A new one directed by the guy who made Chernobyl. Okay, seriously, what? Okay. <laughs> well, I didn't I know that. Well, he also wrote and directed uh, the um, Hangover sequels, so. Oh, God. Mm. Another movie series that should have stopped. Yeah. <laughs> they were ahead. <sighs> anyway, I didn't know that when I wrote that joke. But anyway, today's topic is which of the many versions is the best Joker? Yeah, that's right. Out of all the versions from any media, which is the epitome of the which is the epitome, the quintessential version of the clown prince of crime, the ace of knaves, the jester of genocide, the harlequin of hate. That's my favorite one. <laughs> I wonder why. We will be using three rating factors to confirm the winner. Overall performance and presentation, effectiveness in the narrative, and influence on pop culture. Each category will be given a score of one to four, and whichever Joker has the highest score at the end of the episode will be deemed the very best version of the facetious fiend. I All right, this is going to be indicative of how this whole podcast goes. Can you say the three topics again? Yes, the three topics will, or you mean the uh, performance uh, indicators? Yes. Yes, okay, so overall performance and presentation, that's number one. Effectiveness in the narrative, that's number two. And influence on pop culture, that's number All three. Right. All right. Like I said, each category is going to be given a score of one through four, because there's four of you. And whichever Joker has the highest score at the end of the debate will be deemed the very best version of the Joker. So I've got my scorecard ready, and I am ready to hear initial arguments. So I guess... We should probably have some kind of a thing to decide who goes first. So I'm thinking of a number between... 19. That's my choice. Okay. <laughs> it was going to be through 1 and 500, but okay. <laughs> Still 19. 18. All right. <laughs> He's trying to pull some prices, right? Bullshit. <laughs> okay, Jim, Caleb, what's your numbers? You said between 1 and 500, was it? Yeah. yeah. All right, 121. 300. All right, Caleb, you're the closest. It was 444, by the way. Okay, but why, though? I wanted to go 666, but you just said such a small number with 500. 
Speaking of 666, me and Nathan had a conversation about that earlier today. Hey, yeah, I'll fill you guys right, in on right, that right. later. Is it not a, Is it not good for the podcast for us to talk about that? Or? No, it was fine. It was fine. It was ridiculous. That's that's the conversation. That the number is ridiculous. Anyway. Are we going to do this with, like, like by topic like we're gonna go like performance and everybody goes around or and then yeah. go to effectiveness uh you know what i think that is exactly how we're gonna do it uh All so right. we're gonna do performance and presentation caleb you will go first jim you will go second uh nathan you'll go third and ian you'll go last since you tried that price is right bullshit <laughs> exactly uh, what i wanted <laughs> all right so let me get my scorecard ready and all right, all right, gentlemen, you are you're up. Go ahead, uh, Caleb. Go for okay. it. Okay. So starting out with the first cinematic Joker. Well, I guess I can't really say that because it's Cesar Romero. We got, but Jack Nicholson in 1989, he basically trademarked trademarked the Joker. He's homicidal maniac. He's a gangster, and Jack Nicholson brought himself to that and put himself at a higher level. Um, he had. Some of the best lines uh, through all of Joker history. Um, my favorite is never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my favorite is um, when Batman steals his balloons. That was uh, gassing Gotham and he just looks in the sky and it's like, those are my balloons. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Performance-wise, I think he's the best, and I was prepared for that part. <laughs> the <performance>. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, you get prepared. I'll come back to you then. Okay. All right. So who is next? Oh, Jim. You wait. Yeah. No. Yeah, Jim. You were next. Yeah. Jim, while Which... Caleb gets ready for the performance of the care, you, I'll go with you. Which is uh, appropriate because just as I am following off the coattails of Caleb, my Joker, Mark Hamill, followed off the coattails of Jack Nicholson's Joker. So. Uh, I'm realizing as I'm looking at what I've written down, most of this I feel like probably fits better in the influence on pop culture category. So I'm going to try and summarize basically uh, my thoughts, performance, and presentation-wise. I would say that every fictional character has something that tells the audience, yes, this is X. Whether it's Batman's I am Batman moment or Spider-Man's quips, Deadpool's zaniness, Wolverine's attitude, the thing that the actor has to portray, you know, to really sell the character. For the Joker, it's the laugh. And nobody quite levels up or ma matches up to Mark Hamill's Joker laugh. He has become such an iconic piece of who the Joker is. That presentation he brings to it sells the Joker. Uh, in my opinion, the Joker exists on a spectrum of... Uh, the, the funny, the comedy side, and the terrifying side. For he is he is the killer clown. I feel like on the two ends, we have Cesar Romero and Heath Ledger. And perfectly balancing the two is Mark Hamill. This version of the Joker portrayed over so many TV shows, so many video games, and a few feature films just perfectly captures that zany goofiness that, that the character that just brings him alive that Mark Hamill can, can portray. But also, when he is serious, he is terrifying. And I know that they're they are bringing that off of Jack Nicholson's portrayal of kind of a, a little, a, not quite as wacky, but a little bit wacky, but mostly bringing that gangster, that uh, mob boss presence, which was very much Golden Age uh, Joker. They're portraying that in Mark Hamill's Joker 
but probably to be in line with what they're going for with the Batman animated series, he is a bit more lighter while still maintaining that menace. That is the performance of the Joker that Mark Hamill brings. The perfect balance of the comedy and the and the terrifying, the true clown prince of crime. Okay. That was an interesting initial argument for uh, performance. Uh, Caleb, do you want to go or do you want me to keep going? Keep going. All right, then, Nathan, you're up. All right. Well, um, I, I got in early and I got the Heath Ledger Joker, so uh, this may kind of, this argument may write itself, but he was the, f- the first Joker to win a an Academy Award for Best Actor. Um, and uh, while Joaquin has won since, I think every every Joker after Heath Ledger is either a response or um, copying Heath Ledger. And so, um, yeah, his performance is obviously the best because it won an Academy Award. Um, it's also the, the version of the Joker that most people think of when they think of the Joker. I mean, there's, he has his, catchphrases why so serious want to know how i got these scars you say those to anybody everyone's going to know you know oh that's the joker if you say uh, never rub another man's rhubarb uh for the 89 one somebody might get it but most people be like uh get away from me you weirdo <laughs> um whereas if you quote heath ledger's joker everyone's going to know right away oh that's the joker you're quoting um, I also think that he's underratedly funny. Like a lot of people say he's completely just a terrifying figure, but he does a bunch of really funny shit in that movie. So um, remember like uh, when he's first introducing himself to the mob, he, he like stabs a pencil down to the table. He's like, I'm going to make this disappear. And uh, I literally cracked, cracked up in the theater watching that the first time. I was like, oh, yeah. He did that. He just smashes a, a gangster's head into the, the pencil, and the pencil's gone. Um, best, magic. best magic trick in cinema. I also think he makes the the most use of unusual acting. Like, one of the things is he would al- always take a drink of water before the, the scene. That way, like, when he's talking, he sounds like that, and it's all gross and shit. And uh, he he does a lot with that role that isn't in the script like i've heard like have, there have been um theories that like he's like a a combat vet who's come back and has like severe ptsd or that he's you know some somehow related to some of the characters i don't even know which character it is but like all of those theories i think basically hinge on the fact that like his character is so mysterious and uh i i, I chalk that up to heath ledger's performance all right all righty then and next up uh I guess Ian. Uh, sure, Caleb. Are you, do you still need some time? Yeah, you can keep going. Okay, I'll, I'll go right after you. So here's the deal. My Joker is Joaquin Phoenix, and my the big thing about Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is that he plays it more like an average person would play it. An average person with mental instability and psychological problems. But the fact is, the performance is that of an everyman. Um, one issue I've always had with all the other Jokers is that they all kind of have one note to them, no matter who you pick. Jack Nicholson's Joker is Jack Nicholson because Jack Nicholson only ever plays one character. Uh, Mark Hamill is chaotic and, and funny and has that great laugh, but his character is still only really here to just be, once again, chaotic. Um, 
with Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger uh, is meant to be very ambiguous. We're never really given a background for him. And the thing is, is that, yeah, you can do a lot with ambiguity, but there really isn't much to his character other than I want to cause chaos. The first Joker to really actually create a person, an individual, alongside the persona of the Joker that we know is, uh, is Joaquin Phoenix. Like, I... I hate to say this. I hate the fact that I'm about to say this, but Heath Ledger won the Oscar because he passed away. That's it. Uh, like, his performance is fun. It's not really Oscar-worthy. Joaquin Phoenix put in an Oscar-worthy performance. Joaquin Phoenix, I believe, is opening the, uh, the floodgates for people to be able to actually take superhero films seriously. He was able to portray this performance as this broken, difficult individual that is having that has a really troubled life. He's living in poverty. He's barely making ends meet. We get to see a human side to him. It is one of the best performances because it is one of the most relatable performances. It's not just a whirlwind of chaos coming in and sweeping through the entire place. He is a person. He is a man. He is a, a human being. We get to actually finally see that side of the Joker, of this otherwise, for all intents and purposes, one-dimensional character of, ha ha ha, I'm going to cause chaos, ha <laughs> or, or some variation of that. That's who we've always seen. It's been elements of that. This is a person. We finally actually get to see a performance of a person, and that's why I think he's one of the better performers. Okay, all right. And Caleb, let's hear it. What's your uh, argument for performance, overall performance? Okay, so Jack Nicholson plays the Joker like he's um, he, he's a gangster that just broke. And, you know, kind of like... Um... <laughs> That's all right, man. Yeah, it's cool. Oh, he's got notes, though. Got don't notes. mess with him. Don't that, mess with him. He took notes. No, dude, that's, that's okay. <laughs> notes are good. I don't really have notes. <laughs> Came prepared. <laughs> it's all good, buddy. Got you. Have, Got to have notes. By the way, seriously though, Ian, you can't take jabs at Heath Ledger like that. <laughs> Dead man. I had to. I had to pick someone, and so I'm going to debate the side that you have that I've been given. Hey, it's uh, all fair. I was going to bring that up later anyway. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you, you got to take those shots where you can take them. <laughs> Just, okay. just the the views of uh, Ian and uh, and Jim do not reflect uh, the, the host of the podcast, oh. uh, the JCU podcast, or the, the JCU crew as a whole. <laughs> I mean, the views uh, of I, Ian and Jim. I mean, someone had to pick somebody, and if uh, if I had picked Heath, if I had gotten to Heath Ledger first, someone else would have said, you know, the only reason. Hey. Is as That's... the person representing Mark Hamill, I knew my greatest adversary would be whoever is representing Heath Ledger. So I am all for this. Go go for it, Ian. <laughs> Absolutely. Going back and forth. Oh, Caleb's ready. Let's go. All right. So Jack Nicholson kind of plays a gangster that just broke after having a horrible accident. Mm -hmm. But he brings a stunning charisma to the character that kind of jumps off of where Cesar Romero left it. And, you know, bringing back to like the when he's dancing in the art museum, like he's dancing to Prince just crazily. And I think he's the only 
choker to like bring props to it you know he has like the flower with the acid and um like the punching machine and like the teeth when batman punches him in the face um but along with that he has like kind of brings a better like batman connection like chemistry he brings a certain chemistry to michael keaton that i don't think the um like heath ledger i don't think heath ledger brings that to christian bale um and that's that's all i got when it comes to performance all right so when it comes to performance i have made my rulings sean what are you going to say about jared leto Yes, okay. Sean, please. Seriously? Okay, seriously, if you guys really want me to do <laughs> make a case for yeah. Jared Leto, I will make a case for Jared Leto. This is not this is not being part of the judgment, but as far as performance goes, Jared Leto is quite possibly the most weirdest and the most out there, the most just honestly, if the Joker were real, this is probably exactly what he would be like. It's Jared Leto, not just Jared Leto playing the Joker, just Jared Leto as a person, I think, is what the Joker would actually be like as a person. He's just psychotic in the way that he thinks, and no one can quite figure this dude out the way his mind works. He just dives into, like, any character, really, just whatever he plays. But as the Joker, he just decided to just give in to his own freaking madness and like I mean, you hear the stories about you know how he treated the cast on on the on the set of uh, of uh, Suicide Squad, and it's just like, yeah, I'd imagine that the Joker would probably do that for real. That makes sense if the Joker were re- like, not like the Joker from previous iterations of films that we've seen, but like straight out of a comic book. This is the Joker from the comic books that you just picked up and read. So in my opinion, Jared Leto is like a real life version of like, you would expect this person to probably kill you just, you know, as soon as he looked at you just on a whim and laugh about it because he's that freaking psycho. It's like, that's why I wouldn't want to be in a room with Jared Leto. But at the same time, I can appreciate his performance as the Joker in that respect. So that is my uh, argument for Jared Leto's performance on the Joker, which is not part of the judge's uh, <laughs> decision here, um, but I've made my rulings on the uh, order of performance. I'll not tell them to you at this time. We will move on to the next topic, which... Oh, you're I not just not... picking a winner, you're you're ranking us? Oh, yeah, yeah, I told you. I was actually scoring each of you. Oh, yeah. Okay, I just didn't realize you were announcing everyone's score. I thought you were just going to announce a winner. Yeah, I'm going to just announce a winner, but I am oh. actually... There is actually a legitimate method to how who's going to be the winner. It's not just going to be, like, arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd rather not know until the end, because I don't want to be like, well, I'm already, like, in last place. Why do I even care about the third argument? Yep. You know? So, yeah, I know. That's why I did it. So, next topic. Effectiveness in the narrative. Who wants, uh, I guess, you know what? We'll do another, we're going to do another, uh, 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 we're going to do another drawing. I'm thinking of a number this time between one and I was going to say seven, but... <laughs> you got to be faster than Nathan. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'll, I'll pick a number between one and 30. Five. One. Seriously. Two. <laughs> 3.141592. Okay, I'll stop. 19. So wait, so Ian, you were one. Uh, Jim, you were what? Pi. Pi. Uh, you were pi. Caleb, you were what? Oh, I forgot. 
five. He said five. <laughs> I think he said five. And Nathan said 19. Is that what you said, Nathan? 19? 19. Okay. Uh, yeah, Nathan, 19. Nathan. Yeah, Nathan, you're. Now, if we're going by prices right rules, Nathan, you lost. But if but we're, we're going by who's the closest, which I am, you won because it was actually 17. So go. <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to trick me. <laughs> So in uh, in effectiveness in the narrative, I think it's indisputable that Heath Ledger's Joker is the most effective Joker. So first of all, he drives the entire plot. Um, even when Har- Harvey Dent becomes like the bad Two-Face character, he's still completely I- entrenched in the Joker's plot. The entire plot at that point res- relies on Harvey Dent becoming bad. And that's the Joker's design. And um, he's so he not only drives the entire plot, but he actually wins. Like his entire point is that that, you know, chaos cannot be controlled and that even the best of us will do dark things in order to survive. And so he he beats Batman in a Batman movie, which I don't think any other villain has ever done. and he he has like the best scenes of any joker so there's the the scene where he's driving the semi truck and then he you know gets out and he's all woozy and he uh he has the scene where he's you know trying to blow up the the um two fairies and while he doesn't succeed in that he does succeed at that at that point in uh in turning uh Harvey Dent bad so i think i think there is not really any more effective you can go in a narrative than than driving every plot point and uh defeating the protagonist okay 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 fair 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 going for the uh good old uh one bad day premise <laughs> like all it takes is one bad day to make a good man bad i like that that's a quintessential joker uh, uh theme so i'm, I'm you, might, you might you might you might have high points there i'm, I'm still debating on that one all right uh who was second oh caleb caleb uh you are next okay so jack nicholson his joker drives the entire plot as well um he's after he becomes joker he starts killing people with oh before he starts doing that he starts um he takes over the gangs he kills high-ranking gang officers and as soon as he gets rid of them he starts um, he wants to compete with Batman, and so he starts killing people with Joker products and making them laugh themselves to death. And when Batman is still getting the more attention, uh, he looks up Vicky Vale, and he calls himself a homicidal artist, and he wants Vicky Vale to record his work. And again, Batman gets in the way of that, and so... Um, and then he ends up wanting, trying to gas the entire city. And that's, I think, on a grand scale of what any of the other Jokers were trying to do. And um, on top of that, he hired the best henchmen out of all the Batman movies. I mean, besides Bob, you have, like, crazy ninja henchmen. And then you have, like, that crazy bell tower um black guy who literally (laughs) kicks Batman's ass like up and down throughout that church and I don't think anybody has ever beat Batman up that bad 
ever by themselves. <laughs> um, I did love that guy. <laughs> and then he almost kills Batman himself um, while he's getting away. And he ends up literally having the last laugh. Um, and he literally like dies laughing. So um, that's my effectiveness on the joke. All right. And Jim, you chose pie for some reason, so you get to go next. <laughs> for the same reason that Nathan chose 19, just because. <laughs> anyway, so this one is a little difficult because unlike the other three in this debate, this is not a one-movie Joker. This is not a Joker who is the primary antagonist of a movie, or protagonist, in the case of uh, Phoenix. Um, or, I don't know, protagonist, whatever. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, he's a protagonist. Yeah, you can still say protagonist even if they're yeah, yeah. bad guys. Technically, Thanos yeah. is the protagonist of Infinity War, so... Fair enough. So, here, here's the thing, though. So, this Joker uh, is, when first introduced in Batman the Animated Series, is a villain of the week Joker. He, you know, he has several episodes throughout the series, makes three appearances in the Superman show, five in New Batman Adventures, even five in Justice League, one in Static Shock. This Joker is not going to be the big movie villain Joker, but he does drive the plots of the episodes he is in, either in the forefront or in the background as Batman is trying to track down the Joker or figure out where he's striking next situations. That said, the Joker does appear in a couple movies, uh, predominantly uh, Mask of the Phantasm, one of, if not still, the best Batman movie out there. Sorry, Batman Begins. Sorry, Dark Knight, but Mask of the Phantasm. Dear God, such an amazing movie. And e But even in that movie, Joker is a driving element of the Phantasm, but it, I wouldn't say he is the necessarily the primary antagonist for the bulk of the movie. He is, again, more of a background driving force there. Uh, he comes back in Return of the Joker at the end of Batman Beyond, and again, fantastic performance. And, you know, I mean, it begins, I'm sorry for spoilers, but it begins with the death of the Joker and what he did to Tim Drake. And how can you not just view this as just such a terrifyingly amazing Joker in these performances? He has become so iconic to the idea of the Joker that even when they want to make movies about the comic book Jokers, more often than not, they have brought back Mark Hamill to play this role. The Killing Joke. That is, you know, as close to an origin story of the Joker as we're going to get. In fact, that's where we get a lot of the movie Joker from is that background story in The Killing Joke, the, the failed stand-up comedian. And, okay, it does go further in him taking on this job and becoming the Red Hood, et cetera, et cetera. But still, in all these stories, all these movies and TV shows, the Joker is such a strong presence that he drives those plots. Maybe not to the same grand scale as we get with characters like Jack Nicholson's or Heath Ledger's because those actors are selling that one performance and that one performance has to be top-notch. So there is that trade-off of if you're looking at a series character versus a movie character. Um, but I, again, I feel like the Joker's, Mark Hamill's Joker's work speaks for himself in each of these individual appearances. Okay. All right. And Ian, again, goes last because he had to pull some number one mess. <laughs> All right. All right. So what I'm hearing from a lot of the other debaters is the phrase drives the plot. And... Well, what what's the name of uh, Joaquin Phoenix's movie? What what is the name of that movie? The movie is called is it called Batman something something? Is it called? It's not called Batman the Animated Series. It's not called Batman Returns or Batman Begins or The Dark Knight. The movie is called Joker. 
That is the name of the movie. In every other instance that we've talked about today, what the Joker has done is the Joker has affected the narrative, but not necessarily driven the narrative. The driving force of the narrative of the movie Joker is the name of the title. It is it is the title. It is the Joker. It is this man, this individual who would literally the entire plot would not happen if he wasn't on that subway, if he wasn't wearing clown makeup because he's got a job as a as a clown spinning the sign thing. It had been pushed. He had been pushed to the edge because of how bad Gotham had gotten. He was truly and honestly created by the city. So then the narrative is driven by him simply because of what happens to him within the story. Uh, he is not. He is not a secondary character. He is not an antagonist. He is not a villain of the week. He is the main character. He truly and honestly drives the plot. He shows how this one person can have, well, one bad day, just like in The Killing Joke, except that one bad day then leads to multiple bad days, then leads to anarchy, and then leads to chaos, and it eventually leads to us, I mean, spoiler warning for those who haven't actually seen Joker yet, it leads to us going, how much of this narrative has actually been real, and how much of it has been some sort of a fantasy that he has conjured within his head? Is the final scene after he's been arrested and put in Arkham? Or has the entire film been in his head? We don't know. But ultimately, the narrative force behind the movie Joker is the character of the Joker. He is the man pushing forward. He's the man who shoots those three guys on the subway. He's the man who ultimately inspires a lot of people to start donning joker masks and try and go after the uh and try and go after the uh elites like people wouldn't have done that if it hadn't been for his actions at the beginning of the film he truly and honestly drives the plot more than anyone else does because everyone every other joker affects the plot but it does not drive it all right that's it for the second round of deliberations and man, it's actually, it's actually kind of close. You guys, you would be surprised about how close it actually is with, with this uh, uh, this round. This second round actually brought everybody kind of neck and neck with each other, really. Um, so I guess we're moving on to the third. Uh... Sean, what do you want to tell us about Jared Leto? <laughs> uh, you know what? Okay, you know what? Here we go. Jared Leto, <laughs> effectiveness in the narrative. All right. <clears throat> Okay, so Jared Leto's effectiveness in the narrative, okay? <laughs> this is going to be good. He, for somebody who has quite possibly the least screen time other than the dude whose head got blown up in like the very beginning of the movie, he is the most effective villain in that plot because everything he wants in that movie, he gets, Okay. He wanted, uh, 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 what's like, there's that scene where he's, uh, they're in the club, right? He's, it's him and Harley Quinn in the club. And then, uh, that guy, he's like trying to get that guy into some kind of like a business deal with him, that one gangster. And that gangster's like, I and Harley Quinn. And so what he ends up doing is he ends up tricking that guy into, uh, I guess, I don't know, you know, trying to get with Harley Quinn. And then he like just uses that as an excuse to just kill him and take over his business. Then 
he's drive. Then there's like the next time you see him, he's in the car with Harley Quinn, and they're driving, trying to get away from Batman. And he basically ditches her in order to get away from Batman. Which, okay, awesome. That's you know, that's kind of crappy thing to do to your girl, but whatever. He he got away. He's the Joker. He's 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 a good. He's good at doing what he wants to do. And then uh, towards the end of the movie, he succeeds in actually basically like just screwing up the Suicide Squad's entire plan. And, uh, you know, he just shows up with his goons and gets Harley. And if it weren't for Harley deciding that she wanted to stay and help the rest of the Suicide Squad, she totally would have gotten away because the Joker just decided he wanted to get Harley. So he just swooped in and he took her right out from under Amanda freaking Waller, who's supposed to be like the ultimate government badass. But, yep, he just swooped in and grabbed her and there was nothing Amanda Waller could do about it. And then at the end of the movie... He just breaks her out of jail. Just done. He's just like, oh, you're in jail? Okay, I'll just, I guess I'm just going to waltz right in there and break you out just because I can. Because I'm the Joker and I can do what I want. So, yeah, he's the most effective Joker in my eyes. But, again, that doesn't matter because it's not being counted. So, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Next topic. Influence on pop culture. I think this one is going to be actually the, This is actually going to be a close one, I think. Because these are actually going to be, I think you guys actually have, uh, each of you probably has legitimate arguments for uh, for influence on pop culture. Because uh, each of the one, each of the Jokers you've chosen have had pretty significant influences in my mind. But uh, let's hear from you guys. So we'll start with the guessing of the numbers between. Yeah. Uh, 19. Okay. Uh, what's the range? <laughs> you know what? I don't even know. I'm going to say it's between one and infinity. I think oh. negative infinity. You know what? No, it's between one and a hundred. Okay. There we go. 52. 89. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll follow suit and say 92. <laughs> okay, you know what? Guess who's going first this time? Ian, you're going first because you picked 52. Ah. <laughs> It's not, it's not rigged at all. The number was 52. Of course. <laughs> that is what the number was. Yes. You know what? You, you know why I picked 52? Why did you 52... pick No, because 52 is actually a uh, DC Comics title. New 52. The new 52. And then there was also a book called 52, which was basically when they released uh, one comic a week for the entire year, which came out to 52 issues. So there you go, fifty-two. That's Ian's number. So Ian, you go first. Then it was who was that next? I think it was Caleb. You picked eighty-nine or sixty-nine. Eighty-nine. Oh, you picked eighty-nine. So what, Jim? You picked? I picked ninety-two. Yeah. So it would okay, be Nathan, so... then Caleb, then Jim. Yep. Nineteen never does me wrong. <laughs> All right. So... so Ian, you're first. Nathan, Caleb, Jim. Okay, got it. Influence when it comes to uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is kind of a, it's part of this ongoing trend of, uh, of character performances that a lot of the other Jokers have been very comic book-esque. They have been, they have been uh, essentially over-the-top grandiose caricatures of what the bad guy should be. He has always been the bad guy. The The way that Joaquin Phoenix portrayed the Joker in his movie was more of an everyman. 
was more of a difficult, complicated individual who had been beaten down by society so much that they turned into an antagonist. Uh, it essentially took what the it took the performance of the Joker and made it less grandiose, silly, and over the top, and made it more real. This allowed, uh, this allowed, in my opinion, the Academy to really actually honestly look at the Joker from a standpoint that they would understand. Uh, that, I hate to have to say this again, but Heath Ledger was a great performance and won his performance because he passed away. Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix just made a good performance. He just did, he was, he was, like, angry, he was sad, he was... Uh, he was depressed and melancholy, but then he was also sporadic at times. He was able to really, truly run the gambit of a lot of different emotions in the same way that characters do in a lot of other Oscar films. This is how this is how you would see a lot of other performances. This is how you would see Daniel Day Lewis do his performances. This is how you would see. Um, this this is how you saw. Uh, uh, oh God, I'm blanking on the saying Leonardo DiCaprio in. Uh, in the movie where he got mauled by a bear. Like these are, these are people who like we're seeing an Oscar level performance. And that influence has been shown because he actually won the Oscar for a performance, not just for a comic book movie character, but for a person like the influence shows, because now we have the idea that comic book movies can evolve beyond just being funny, cartoony over the top melodramas that they can be honest true serious films as well we are seeing the influence of the serious minded individual can now come from a comic book movie that the medium has evolved so much that it is now truly matured to the next level and i think that that's a big influence all right and then we've got nathan yes so the Heath Ledger Joker, its popular cultural footprint is larger than, than just comic book movies. So the, the, the kind of Iago-esque, um, yes, that's a Shakespeare reference, uh, chaotician who comes into the plot and, and just tries to, to foil the protagonist, it's not, it, it's happened now in other movies. So, um, the the James Bond movie Skyfall is superly heavily um, influenced by the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, I would go as far as saying that that uh, Javier Bardem's character in that is basically a ripoff of Heath Ledger's Joker. And more than that, um, it's still like if you talk to my mom, right? She's like sixty something. She doesn't watch comic book movies. She doesn't know any of that stuff. But she knows the Heath Ledger Joker. She, you could tell her, oh, you know, Luke Skywalker did the joke. She's like, oh, which movie was that in? Or she, you, you talk to her about uh, the new Joker movie. She'd be like, is that the Heath Ledger guy again? It's, it's even people who aren't aware of, of comic book characters and comic book movies are aware of Heath Ledger because he's had that big of an influence on popular culture. Okay. Oh, oh, right. uh, one oh. last part. He is also the only Australian Joker, and I think that really has to have an influence. Only Aussie Joker. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, you can look it up, but it's true. Oh. <laughs> Every other one is from the United States. Stupid Americans. 
Is Mark Hamill technically from the United States? According to Wikipedia, yes. Because wasn't Mark Hamill, like, I, f- I felt like he was born in Japan or something. What? Wasn't Mark what? Hamill, like, born in Japan? Nope, he's an American. California. Oh, okay. Yeah. I could have swore he spent some time in Japan for some Well, extension. if you think of it in terms of Man in the High Castle, that is part of Japan. <laughs> right. It's the the Japanese states, the Japanese Pacific states. Yeah. So so in a way, you're right. In another more important and real way, you're wrong. In in the land of actual facts, I'm wrong. But in the land of alternative facts, where I dwell as the alternative president of the United States, I am correct. Therefore, I rule that I am correct. That's final. That's final ruling. Mark Hamill is Japanese. Uh, I fried chicken. Hello, fried rice. Let's go. I, I did actually look it up, and yes, he is right. That all the other Jokers were American actors. Uh, yeah. Wait, fried rice is Chinese. Never mind. <laughs> Swear to God. Anyway, Caleb, you're up. Okay. So, Jack Nicholson's Joker, um, as it drove Batman 1989, it maybe not have launched Tim Burton's career, but it definitely solidified it. After Batman, Tim Burton could just do whatever he wanted. Like, I don't think there'd be a Nightmare Before Christmas or, um, no, definitely not a Batman Returns. And not only did it solidify that career, uh, there wouldn't be Batman movies without Jack Nicholson, I don't think. And on top of that, there wouldn't be comic book movies, at least as they are today. I don't think it would be much later where we got, you know, the comic book movies that we have today. And I don't, I don't think we would have got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't think we would have got Avengers. I don't think we would have got Tank Girl either. So, no Tank Girl. <laughs> tank Girl. That's <laughs> to have me my Tank Girl. I haven't, yeah, so... I haven't seen that movie in so long. I've got a fever. Without, without Jack Nicholson's screen presence, I don't think we'd have a lot that we have today. Okay. Okay. All right, then. And Jim, you're up. Influence on pop culture. Let's go. All right. So at the end of the day, the Joker is a comic book character, a Batman character. And as such, these representations are always a product of their time. If we go back to um, Cesar Romero, you know, we're looking at 50s, 60s, 70s, Silver Age, Comic Code. That was just a product, that Joker was a product of that time. The um, Jack Nicholson Joker was a product of that response that were like, hey, we want to bring back that Golden Age style, bring back the, the mob boss version of Joker. And that was the thing they needed at that time to move that ship, shift that goalpost, or whatever you want to call it. Similarly, Heath Ledger's Joker is the perfect Joker for that tw- uh, 2000s America post 9-11 America, that, that is the kind of Joker that that society needed and shaped that time. And nowadays, I feel like it's the same thing with Joaquin Phoenix. He feels like a Joker, and also to an extent Jared Leto, feel like a Joker of this time. Maybe Jared Leto, like early 2010s, going into the late 2010s, 2020s, Joaquin Phoenix feels like the Joker of this time. That, In fact, they got a lot of pushback because of that as well. The whole uh, internet lonely guy being the, you know, going crazy, being, being the protagonist. All these Jokers are products of their time. And and I feel like their presence and their influence is primarily in that time frame. In 92, we had a resurgence, not just of superhero movies as a result of Batman in 89, but of superheroes all over the place in TV. 
and Mark Hamill solidified that Joker, that presence, one that has gone from 1992 all the way up through 2018 with consistent appearances in TV shows, video games. In fact, he won awards uh, for that, Interactive Achievement Award for Outstanding Performance in Arkham Asylum and the British Academy Video Game Award for Best Performance in Arkham City. So when you go beyond just the movies to all of media related to comic books, the Joker of Mark Hamill has become such an iconic piece that these other Jokers pull from that, either pulling more to those traits or that backstory, or as a response to that and backing away from it. I feel like Keith Ledger's changes to the character are very much a response to what we have had of the Joker up until then. So much of that, again, solidified and popularized by Mark Hamill's Joker. Mark Hamill as an actor as well. Just most people know Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, yet his presence as the Joker has always been completely removed from that. Like, it's almost like there are two different Mark Hamills out there. There is your Luke Skywalker Mark Hamill, and there is your Joker Mark Hamill, both of whom have immensely impacted their media, whether you're looking at sci-fi fantasy movies or superhero comics and movies, games, whatever. That is the essence of Mark Hamill right there. Just someone who has not only been big at his time as the Joker, primarily in that, again, Batman made series 92, but proceeding through on that. Every time it's like, hey, we need a Joker for this uh, voice actor for a Joker. More often than not, they go to Mark Hamill. There've been some other amazing performances, but Mark Hamill will always be that iconic Joker that everyone compares to or tries to deviate from for their own uniqueness. It comes back to Mark Hamill's Joker. All right. All right, so that's it for arguments relating to influence on pop culture. So now I will. Yes. Oh, what did I do? What did I do? What? Oh, also, Jesus. Also, Mark Hamill's Joker (laughs) gave us Harley Quinn. Mark Hamill's Joker gave us Harley Quinn. That's like five bonus points at least. Sorry, (laughs) had to throw that in there. I was, I was, I was wondering when Jim was going to actually make that Harley Quinn (laughs) argument. I was was trying to focus and stay on topic. I, I was I was it. I was literally <laughs> waiting for that. I was like, come on, dude. It's like also, are you gonna forget like fact. quite possibly his biggest contribution? Did you know that they okay, this is a did you know Joker fact here. Originally they were gonna cast Tim Curry to do the Joker's voice. Yes, I did know that and actually. Were, there is still recording of his Joker laugh. They used it for one of the episodes of like this big clown at an amusement park. They used Tim Curry's laugh. So if you ever want to look that up. You can hear oh. what the laugh would have been like if it had been Tim Curry. And personally, I love Tim Curry. Mark Hamill did it better. Sorry, Curry. I mean, I mean Tim Curry, that would have given him, like, multiple clown roles. <laughs> well, same for Mark Hamill. He played the Pennywise. Pen- oh, yeah, that's right. He did play the trickster. Oh, my God. He played the trickster, like, twice, actually. Yep. He played it in the original Flash television series, and he also played trickster again in the new Flash television series. And in yeah, the Justice League... Um, action show that wrapped up last uh in 2018 oh yeah that's right there's an episode of mark hamill playing himself the joker the trickster and swamp thing all in one two minute short love it played swamp thing jesus in that show yeah okay (laughs) so you guys talk amongst yourselves i've got to tally up the numbers here oh crap all right you know what (laughs) you know what i don't even need to explain to you circus animals exactly how Jared Leto's uh, influence on pop culture. I can't well, think of obvious. I can't think of another Joker who's more memed or 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 more influent more more memes of this guy exist than than any other Joker I probably imagine. Uh, I don't and, know why uh, so serious is a pretty big meme. He's gotta compete uh, with that. 
That's fair. But, okay, yeah, but, you know, you got all the stories, like I said earlier, about everything that happened on set with him. And then what actor could you possibly consider single-handedly responsible for tanking an entire movie franchise series? (laughs) I can't think of a single actor more responsible for tanking a movie franchise universe. Other than other other than possibly Tom Cruise and the mummy. (laughs) No nobody else. Nobody even comes close to that. I'm just say that right now, and and in addition to that, you know, Jared Leto also gave us uh, 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 Margot Robbie's interpretation of Harley Quinn. So, <laughs> yeah, she, and she is quite possibly the quintessential live action version of Harley Quinn. She's the only version, live action version of Harley Quinn. But doesn't matter because she's I mean, awesome at it, especially in Birds of Prey, man. Birds of Prey, oh Harley. Ooh. Is that, is that, that no- yeah, that's yeah, weird in the noise. I was yeah. assuming it was Nathan. I figured we needed some sound effects. <laughs> oh, okay. Nice. I just wanted to make sure we hadn't accidentally like blown out a microphone or something. Also, just thing about Jared Leto's Joker, you could make an argument that he is a modern version of Jack Nicholson's Joker. And the idea of like Jack Nicholson as the mob boss Joker, this is like the modern day. Oh yeah, definitely a modern day. He's definitely a modern day criminal. The same kind of Joker of like the multiverse or the three Jokers theory. It's the same kind of Joker. Just you know, twenty. What was that? Twenty sixteen. I don't know when that that came out. Whatever. Yeah, I remember when the new Fifty Two came out. Yeah. It's like the first issue of Batman, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anyway, yeah, but yeah, he, he's definitely a modern day version of like the the gangster that the Joker would be if he existed in real life. But again, that doesn't matter because it's not part of the conversation. <laughs> Move on. So you all talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to tally up the votes here. So go go for it. So what I'm about just saying, Cesar none Romero? of your Jokers, ha- none of your Jokers have Harley Quinn. I feel like you all lose by default. <laughs> Jared Leto had Harley Quinn. No, no, he's not part of it, remember? Sean said. Yeah. I'm talking about your three jokers. So where does Jack Nicholson had that like lady that like with the mask that like he tried his Joker products on? Like the proto Harley Quinn, I guess? (laughs) Yeah, like the the prototype. uh, Heath Ledger had that old man he said reminded him of his father. (laughs) (laughs) And and wasn't that a senator? Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that was an act. I'm pretty sure that was a senator. Was and, it? Yeah, yeah, the guy. He's like, you remind me of my father. I hated my father. That guy. Yeah. yeah. Then did the guy reply with, "That's really rude. I'm a senator." No, he's like no. The, the guy that's like, we don't, uh, we're not intimidated by thugs. That guy. Yeah, but that. The, yeah, he's that the, established he's the, that he's a senator. No, 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 no. I mean, like, like in, actually, in, like, life. yeah, of Illinois or something like that. Yeah, oh, he's like he's like is. a huge Batman fan, and he got in the movie. All right, he got into this one, and he got into Dark Knight Rises, if I'm not mistaken. Rod B- so the Bogoyevich? elite just keep, was. The I don't elite, remember. The elite keep get to do whatever the heck they want. I want to say Lee Leahy or something. I don't know. I could be getting that name wrong. Wait, what about yeah, Caesar Romero? Does no one want to talk about Caesar Romero? Oh, I mean, he was. That's a good honorable mention. He is a Romero of that comics code era Batman. I mean, he is a goofy clown. That's I don't know. You know, well, you know the thing about Caesar Romero's Joker that I love the most is that he refused to shave his mustache. Yeah. So they put the makeup <laughs> over his mustache. 
That was that's gangster. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're like, no, no, this mustache is too iconic. I'm not getting rid of it for nothing and nobody. I don't even care. <laughs> it's like you're not shaving my mustache because I'm Caesar yeah. Don Romero. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was watching some clips of him um last night just in case we we talked about him and his laugh is just oh, like yeah. The greatest, and then on top of it, he does like this thing with um, when Joker gets serious that I think Mark Hamill and like the creators of the animated series took on, where like he gets that weird, like frowny face in the makeup, and his voice gets really deep and and um, just oh, yeah, that that (laughs) code switch that like just sudden flip to the to the angry Joker, yeah, Caesar Rowe did that great. No, he did that. I need to watch that show, man. You're right. It is Patrick Leahy, Senator Patrick Leahy, and uh, he has served in the U.S. Senate uh, as the senator from Vermont since 1975. He is the reason why, even at 77, Bernie Sanders is the junior senator from Vermont. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Leahy is 80 years old and has more seniority than any other senator. Fascinating. And he reminds Heath Ledger of his father. So he legit did remind him of his father. Nice. I, I don't know. I, I made that last part oh, up. Okay. So he got you know, me with that. Oh, because a, he's old. There's he's another older. very iconic Joker that we are leaving out of this discussion. Which one is that? We have Jack not yet brought up. Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face. All right, Nathan. We have left out. <laughs> we have left out Zach Galifianakis from the Lego Batman movie. Oh. He's pretty much just doing his interpretation of Mark Hamill, but that was a good Batman Joker relationship right there. You know, it actually really sold the relationship side of Batman and the Joker. That was actually solid. I like. I really love that movie. That that's a really good movie. That's fun. It's one movie. of my favorites. So I love it. Topic, back to the topic at hand. Patrick Leahy, Senator huh. Patrick Leahy. He's also in Batman and Robin. He's in the infamous Bat credit card scene, yep. and he filmed. A cameo in Batman Forever that was cut. Yep, Aww. I remember. He's like the Stan Lee of Batman movies. Wow. As in, he's a super old white guy who keeps showing up at these movies. So I would like to add one more point in favor of Heath Ledger's Joker. He's the only one that interacts with Senator Patrick Leahy. <laughs> I feel like you if know, we were in Vermont, that would have more weight. You know what? You know what? I'm giving more weight to, however, is that uh, uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker is the only Joker that gets to interact with Billy D. Williams. <laughs> mm. uh-huh. I did not think of that. You're right. Yeah, damn. Uh, next episode, when we all choose our favorite two faces, I am choosing Billy D. Williams. <laughs> no. no. Billy D. Billy D. Billy D. You know the only two faced right, right. movie to sell you a. Nice, tall, cold glass of Colt 45. <laughs> that is, to be fair, like one of my, one of the most upsetting casting changes in the histories of film. Yeah, imagine. Yeah. Is replacing Billy D. Williams with Tommy Lee Jones. Well, remember. In Batman Forever. Remember, it was like they had switched everything on account of yeah. uh, Batman Returns. Because you know, basically Billy D. Williams was supposed to be—he was supposed to be Christopher Walken's character in Batman Returns, and when Catwoman uh, like shocks him at the end, that was supposed to turn him into Two Face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah, Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. 
But then they decided they didn't want Billy D. Williams to play that character, That's and they changed that character's name. So they changed it even before they uh, switched yeah. uh, Burton out. I remember they switched Burton out because he freaked out the squares and they couldn't sell McDonald's toys. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> I did love Batman Returns it so is. much. I, that was I don't care how violent it is. Wasn't Marlon Wayne supposed to be like Robin at some point too? Yeah, I think yeah, right. there, really? there was a point before. Really? Yeah, before uh, Batman and Robin came out, there was a point where they were looking at everybody. They looked at Marlon Wayne's. Uh, well, I think he had like contract and like they had to like pay him off. Was it like when Billy Tim Burton Williams. was going to direct? Uh, Batman and Robin? Oh, no. No. Wait, no. Forever. You're oh, thinking sorry. of Forever. Yeah, I'm thinking of Forever. Sorry. Yeah, Forever. He, he was originally, but again... That one should be called Batman and Robin, and the last one should be called Forever, because it doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. That would have made that's, a that's lot true. more it's sense. Funny. It would. Considering <laughs> it was the... But then again, the, Batman and Robin probably wasn't supposed to be the last uh the last no. movie of that particular well, of the last they, batman they run off to like uh, with the backlight behind them like they're all running off to the next adventure and they got that girl with them of course there's the can we uh while we're talking of those two movies can we have a moment of silence for uh director joel schumacher who passed away last week what i didn't even know that so yep. yeah we can definitely yeah. do that yeah sorry to that I was wondering what was going to break the silence. I was was waiting. I knew Nathan was going to do something like that. People are going to be like, did the podcast end? No. No, (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Moment of silence. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in our moment of silence for Joel Joel Schumacher. I think he would appreciate the way that silence ended. Yeah, he would have, actually. (laughs) He was was a very very lighthearted and whimsical guy. Yeah. I think he would have definitely appreciated that. <laughs> All right, so I've tallied up the scores, and actually, uh, it was close in the middle, but uh, uh, it came it, at the end. It kind of you, uh, the winner kind of pulled ahead at, with that last category there. Uh, this was actually. Pretty- you want me to do a drum roll? You know what? Uh, you can. Definitely do it. All right. So fourth place had to do it. Unfortunately, Caleb, you came in fourth. You had five points total overall. Okay. I gave you three for performance because you know Jack Nicholson is actually an actually funny Joker. That was that was one of the things. Perform like his performance closely uh, matched the comics because he was actually funny. Uh, as far as effectiveness, uh, I, had, I ranked it a little bit lower, but I didn't give you the lowest score. Uh, because he did have an effectiveness insofar as that he actually did manage to kill Bruce Wayne's parents, which is, you know, what made him Batman in the first place. So technically the movie doesn't happen without the Joker uh, in more ways than one. Uh, and then in the last category, uh, influence on pop culture, uh, that was a really tough one. That was the toughest one at all, but I had to give this one a one. Uh but I wanted to give, I wanted to rank it higher. I, I would have given you more points if I could have, but uh, definitely uh, I ranked it. Uh, but I did consider Burton's career. Uh, I was pretty much made by that movie, uh, Batman movies in general. Uh, gave with Catwoman, 
and uh, and a lot <laughs> like our our li- first live interaction inter- uh, iteration of Catwoman, which is just influential for a lot of other reasons, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and probably is the reason why TMNT is exist exists. Which is quite possibly one of my favorite movies of all time. Wait, but. Sean, it, wasn't that six points? You said he was three, uh, three for performance, two for the other one, and one for the. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, sorry, my bad. Yeah. Just, just Never mind. Mention. Also, we yeah. should probably you know mention that that was also the movie they gave us the Batman that cannot turn his neck. <laughs> so technically, Caleb, you and Ian are in a two-way tie because you both got six points. I'm sorry, what? Ian, you played wrong. yourself. I did the math wrong? <laughs> Ian played yourself. <laughs> so, Ian, you got sec- you got uh, you're in a deadway tie with Caleb because you're right because I scored that wrong. Uh, so, uh, Ian uh, for Joaquin Phoenix for performance, I gave it a one <laughs> because honestly. For everything that he does in that movie, his performance is kind of, it's not very comic accurate. It's not very Joker-esque. It's what uh, the director, I got, God, I can't think of his name. Help me out. What's the director's name uh, of Joker? I want to say it's something, Tom something. I'm probably wrong. Oh, God. I should know this. Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Phillips. Thank you. (laughs) I knew it was a T. Todd Phillips. It's more his interaction. It's more his iteration of just like a crazy guy, and not necessarily the Joker. So I gave it. I gave you one on that one. However, it was basically a Scorsese film with the Joker. Exactly. It was basically Taxi Driver, and it was like that's not the Joker. It's it's good, but it's not the Joker. Uh, as far as uh, effectiveness, though, uh, I gave you a three because uh, he is the. He definitely has the one. Of the, he definitely has the most screen time of all the Jokers uh, in all the movies, and uh, he definitely pops off. You know the riots. You know he definitely uh, uh, he definitely sets uh, a whole bunch of. Mo- he he drive like you said. He affects his plot. He drives his plot and affects his plot. Uh, I gave it a three, however, because at the end of the movie. He still gets caught, and he's still in a jail cell, and we don't even necessarily know if half of the stuff he actually did was stuff he actually did or not. So I gave you a three, so because if he did do that stuff, then it's awesome. But if he didn't, uh, you got to kind of take off points for that. And then as far as influence of pop culture, I gave it a two, mainly because it really, it really hasn't had much time to influence pop culture just yet. Uh, we haven't really had we haven't had much time to sit with it. Uh, but it did make comic movies. It did make, uh, which I would argue not necessarily needs to happen, but did give comic book movies a little bit of legitimacy, which I think was definitely uh, definitely helpful. I demand so, a new judge. <laughs> there is no new judge. I am the judge of the North. My name is Sean. <laughs> All right, who is next? Okay, Jim, you came in second. Ah, came in. So Nathan, you came in first. With Heath Ledger, Jim, I give you a four on performance because I mean, come on, that laugh—that's the most iconic Joker laugh of all the Jokers. Is is definitely uh, Mark Hamill. Uh, I gave you a one on effectiveness in the narrative because he just loses all the goddamn time. <laughs> Every episode he's in, he gets caught, he gets arrested. He's not effective like at all. He's villain he's, of the week. What do you yeah. want? I mean. Yeah. I know. At least he doesn't die like yeah. some Jokers. Well, I guess he does die, die Return of the Joker. Never mind. But it's the best Joker death. 
And then as far as influence on pop culture, I gave you a three because he definitely has the most appearances of the Joker. And of course, Harley Quinn's uh, introduction to Harley Quinn. So that was that was a big one. Nathan. All right. Wait, wait, wait. I need to have my drum roll. For what? You won. You got a score of 10 (laughs) because uh, uh, what was it? Performance. uh, Heath Ledger. I gave you a two on that one uh, because while he is a very interesting Joker, he's not a very funny Joker. He's kind of more subdued funny. And not, uh, you know, just laugh out loud, ha-ha funny like Hamill or like Jack Nicholson. So he's he's a little bit less funny, more, you know, ironically serious. <sighs> but uh, definitely gave you two, uh, two there. But as far as effectiveness in the narrative, you got a four because he actually won in the end. Like you said, he did actually beat Batman for his fight for the soul of Gotham. He actually... You know, turned he, he actually turned Harvey Dent into Two Face. Uh, you know, he basically just messed up Gotham City in a way that you know doesn't even get fully resolved until like the next movie in the series. And Batman pretty much has to die for that to happen. You know, because he basically you know he screwed up Harvey Dent, which caused uh, Jim Gordon to lie about it, and they formed the Dent Act, which basically you know, under false pretenses, put all those criminals in jail, which gave them legitimacy when they broke out and pretty much took over the city when Bane showed up. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty effective as far as Jokers and movies. And then, as far as influence on pop culture, I gave you a four on that one, because uh, as you said, a lot of movies going forward from that point have pretty much ripped off the uh, meticulous planner villain, like the villain that lies and the villain that uh, meticulously plans and manipulates the hero. Like you said, Skyfall was definitely a big, uh, uh, definitely a big version of that. But I'd also argue that uh, Captain America: Civil War was a big version of that with Zemo. I've not seen that. Uh, I'd also argue that uh, I also argue that Batman v Superman had that going on with. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah, you're right. Uh, with Lex Luthor. And not just that, but like so many other movies, the Fast and Furious movies have done it with meticulous planner villain. It's like everybody since then has pretty much done the meticulous planner, you know, bad guy as the villain. Uh, Iron Man 3 did it. Uh, it's like just pretty much every action movie since has had meticulous planner villain as the bad guy. Mm. So, you know, and that pretty much started, you know, not necessarily like meticulous planners didn't originate there, but it, Meticulous planners causing overall just chaos and wrecking the heroes' lives to the point where everything is, you know, seems really lost in the all is lost moment. That did actually originate with kind of that kind of originate with Heath Ledger. So I got to give you credit on that one. So at the end of the day, Nathan wins with ten points. Yeah. Nathan's wow. Joker. Heath Ledger is the best Joker. God rest his soul. He may not be remain that way for long. We'll see with this new iteration of the Batman coming out theaters. Oh, I thought at you some meant point Heath whenever Ledger theaters wasn't return. going to remain that le- way for long. It's like what? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said no. Heath Ledger. Oh no, not not Who's remain. Who's bringing him back he, to life? He might. He might not remain the best Joker for long. <laughs> He might. He's definitely is gonna remain Joker dead. Is confirmed to be in the the new the Batman movie. 
I don't know, but I mean, eventually he'll have to show up in a Batman movie again at some point. True. Maybe, but one thing I know will be certain is that we will get another Batman show, another Batman video game, and a very likely another performance from the man, Mark Hamill. When are we getting another Batman video game? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Who knows? I, I, I want to play another Batman Arkham game because those games were dope. I think they've I completed those. the Arkham uh, series. I think if they're going to do any more Batman video games, they're going to do something new this time. I mean, I heard there. I heard rumors about uh, them making a Batman video game with the same people who made the the last one, and they're going to announce it at some point. Arkham Origins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those guys. Arkham Origins was the worst one, one, though. Yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was the worst one. It, it definitely was the worst like, one. But yeah, they, they, that's they the one learned their lesson. Hamill. That's the one that didn't have Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta have learned their lesson at this point. <laughs> put Mark Hamill in your Batman game, even if the Joker's not in there. Just put him in there. You know what, Ian? You just wait with the time thing, because I also want to mention that Mark Hamill was also in The Giver, which I love that movie. You don't remember The Giver? It also had J.J. Walker. No, not MacGyver, The Giver. With the robot guy. He had knives coming out of his elbows. and It was awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Mark Hamill was in that movie. Look it up. (laughs) Oh, that one. Yeah, the one with J.J. Walker in it. That's a weird ass film. I'm looking high and I'm looking low. And I wonder where that dude did go. Cause I want that guy's jiving thing. <laughs> anyway, this has been. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm wrapping up the show. I'm wrapping it up. I'm wrapping it up because Ian says it's time to wrap it up. This has yeah. been yet another episode of the JCU podcast. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you are all caught up. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. You could be listening to any podcast in the world. But you're here with us, and we appreciate that. Yes, that was a JC reference. I want to thank our good friend Nathan for providing our themes. So please check out his website. The website is NathanTownsComposer.com. That's right. It's NathanTownsComposer.com. <laughs> Again, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, RSS feeds, Listen Notes, and YouTube. And what was that other thing you said, Ian? Twitter. Twitter. Twitter, yes, that's right. Twitter, you can find us at the JCU Podcast One at Twitter. At, it's just oh. at JCU Podcast One. Wait, yeah, it, okay, at JCU Podcast One. Don't worry, I'll get it. I'm gonna put it in my notes next time. Oh, yeah. So please <laughs> do all the internet things: follow, like, share, subscribe, ring the bell so you don't miss a new episode. So for myself and the rest of the JCU crew here, to all you JCU crewmates out there, it has been our pleasure, our privilege, and our honor to be with you today. This is us signing out. Oh, and remember, wash your hands, don't touch your face, and wear your masks. Peace. Bye. Peace, y'all. Bye. Bye.